Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of the Love Food Podcast is brought to you by. Green Mountain at Fox Run, the premier retreat for women who struggle with eating and weight concerns. Visit fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 61 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And, you know, I get to work with so many delightful people. I get to talk with so many folks about their journey towards food peace and making um, amends with their body. And I think it's such an important part of recovery to come to this place where a person says, you know, I'm just going to respect whatever size my body wants to be at. I'm going to find a way just to be okay with it. It's a really important and also tough spot of recovery, yet I think it's a very important one. And for some people I work with, it comes along kind of easy and they find a way to do it. But yet other people, it's harder. And one of the reasons is because their body is fatter than what some people say it should be. 
you know, I'm a, I'm someone who identifies as a fat positive dietitian. And what that means is that I acknowledge that there's always been fat bodies and there always will be fat bodies and there always should be. (laughs) So, um, and I can't tell by looking at someone if they are genetically supposed to be in a larger body or not. And if I try to um, put someone on some kind of weight loss plan and they are supposed to be at a higher weight or they're supposed to just stay where they're at, it can do more harm than good. And also we have no diets that promote long-term weight maintenance anyway. So it's kind of a moot point. But you know, what are what's someone supposed to do then if they're working to accept their body and respect their body, but they're getting all these messages from well-meaning family members or their health, one of their healthcare providers and just culture in general, that their body's too big and that they should really be smaller. It's honestly, it's a very conflicting and harmful message. And I have a a letter from someone who's experiencing that and looking for direction. So if you can identify with that experience, that conflict, then I think you'll find some um, words of wisdom or nuggets to help as you make your journey towards food peace. And I'm really excited too, because um, as I'm answering the letter, I make an announcement about a future guest that's going to be so exciting to hear from on the Love Food Podcast. So can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. So let's go ahead and hear this episode's letter. Dear Food, where do I start? I'm not so sure. Once again, I lay here at night unable to sleep. Once again, I find myself agonizing over how I could possibly get better. After all these years of battling with you, hour per hour, day after day, I find myself completely and utterly stuck, powerless and deeply lost. The struggles have started really early on. I remember how when my mom put me on my first diet at age 11, it felt so good getting attention for how I looked. But then how I missed you. Shortly after that, I remember eating huge amounts of food on my own and feeling so full and ill, lying on the floor hoping to be sick. From then on, you were always there. Through all the years of mental abuse from my mother, while nobody, including my dad, would protect me, bullying at school, years of lonely travels, how can I now feel beautiful when you expose my flaws so openly? How can I feel worthy of my husband's love and attention? How can I hope for my children to grow strong and balanced if they see their own mother so tortured? Is this worth living through all this pain? The thing is, you won. I am now at my biggest feeling so uncomfortable and ashamed of myself. Now, diagnosed with PCOS, the weight just won't budge, no matter how hard I try. Between PCOS and an eating disorder, how on earth am I supposed to navigate? The messages seem to just conflict so badly. Food, how could we ever be at peace? How could I ever move on and just forget about you so that I can model health to my children? Sincerely, tormented and longing for a better life. Before we explore this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Green Mountain at Fox Run. 
the pioneering women's retreat to help you find peace with food, fitness, and your body in Ludlow, Vermont. For over 40 years, Green Mountain has developed sustainable, non-diet strategies for women who struggle with weight, emotional and binge eating, and feelings of food addiction. Last year, Green Mountain opened its Women's Center for Binge and Emotional Eating, the only clinical program in the nation dedicated solely to women suffering with binge eating disorder and emotional eating. Ready to set yourself free from dieting and restrictions, untruths, and fads? Visit fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information about Green Mountain at Fox Run and the Women's Center for Binge and Emotional Eating. A life free of weight, eating, and body struggles is closer than you think. Visit fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information. Thank you for your words, letter writer. And I know you signed it tormented and longing for a better life. And I hate to know that you are feeling tormented with your relationship with food and your body. And I certainly do believe there is another way. And you bring up some really important dilemmas that are really common with folks that I talk to as they heal their relationship with food and their body. You know, you bring up these really drastic, dichotomous, conflicting messages, you know, first with eating disorder recovery or anyone just trying to navigate towards food peace, someone's going to be taught how to be more flexible with their eating choices and to be more accepting and compassionate with their eating choices. There's also going to be an emphasis on relying on hunger and fullness cues and just trusting that outcome So what does this trust look like? Well, if someone is really trying to just trust their hunger and fullness cues and monitoring to make sure that they feel satisfied with their food, it's also working to a place of peace with how their body will look when they do these types of trusting exercises and using internal regulation to figure out how much food to eat. And this can be really a a freeing experience for some people, yet there are some of my clients that I work with or folks I talk to who end up having a body that is outside of what some people would consider as acceptable. Um, I certainly don't agree with that. And I know for many people, they don't agree with that. But there are some people in healthcare or just people in general in our culture who would consider relying on hunger and fullness cues to result in a body size that doesn't seem to be acceptable or appropriate or within this really narrow, thin ideal that we have. Yet it's something that we do ask people as they work towards eating disorder recovery because pursuing weight loss or pursuing that rigidity that comes with a smaller body results in this deep, dark rabbit hole of a monster. that's called the eating disorder. And we know eating disorders kill a person every 23 hours. They have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. So it's certainly something that is life-preserving to work towards this way of recovery. And that is, I think, something that is our birthright. You know, I don't think you have to experience an eating disorder in order to have permission to trust your body. Yet, um, I feel like trusting your body and having a peaceful relationship with food is not a normal experience these days. That is 
one of the saddest parts of the work I do. It's something that frustrates me, but also motivates me to keep doing things like this podcast because I feel like dieting is disordered eating. And unfortunately, women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, like this letter writer, have fallen even deeper into this trap of disordered eating as a way to treat the condition. And if you haven't heard of this PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, very briefly, it's an endocrinological, that's a really big word for me, (laughs) um, condition that's genetic and environmental, but it it's something that basically starts in the hypothalamus part of the brain and affects hormones for women with it. And one of the hormones that ends up being affected for many women with PCOS, but not all of them, is insulin. And um, insulin for a lot of people is a growth hormone. And so some women with PCOS end up being in a larger body. And so what has evolved over time, because Honestly, polycystic ovarian syndrome, you can hear in the name, it's just affected um, or just affects women. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of research for as many people that are affected by this condition. There's just not a lot of research behind it. So I think a lot of times we're grasping at straws on how to treat it. The research certainly doesn't have a lot of depth to it yet. And what has evolved because there are so many women in fat bodies with PCOS is that Often women just hear, hey, if you want to treat this PCOS, then just lose weight. Um, And that really frustrates me because remember I said just a few seconds ago, not everyone with PCOS is in a fat body. So why is that prime? Why is that the primary way to treat it if it's not the cause of it? (laughs) So um, just a really simple question that I want to put out there into the universe Um, And I really challenge anyone who treats women affected by PCOS, um, why must that be the only way or the primary way to treat it if not everyone with PCOS is in a fat body? And if you have PCOS and you keep hearing that same recommendation, what I would encourage you to do is two things. Ask um, your healthcare provider that's making that recommendation, um, can you show me the data on any diet that has um, long-term outcomes that show weight maintenance um, with this diet program longer than two years? And then also, what do you recommend to your clients or your patients with PCOS who are not fat? How do you um, help them manage their condition? And I think you're going to get some really interesting reactions, (laughs) but also you may get some different information, especially with that second question. I think it's a really important one. And and if you don't have PCOS, it's a really handy question just for anything if you're in a fat body. Um, If you go to the doctor and your knees hurt and they tell you to lose weight to help your knees not hurt as much, a good question to ask is, um, so what do you tell your patients who are not fat, who have knee pain? How do do they manage it? And they're often going to say things like, oh, maybe I recommend they go to physical therapy or do certain exercises. And that is... um, some really helpful information to help you manage the condition without focusing on weight. So with all that being said, you know, if, and if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard some of the research that I've cited, um, namely that focusing on weight loss or pursuing weight loss is one of the most unhealthy um, mindsets we can have because weight loss is not a behavior. Um, and the more we pursue weight loss, the more we're going to weigh, 
And the more we pursue weight loss, the more we can predict an eating disorder. And so for you, letter writer, I know you're getting these conflicting messages, but I would also encourage you to look at that data. So something that I want to remind you is that it's going to be easier for those of us in the culture and society in general to change our beliefs about your weight, to um, challenge our own weight bias, then it's going to be for you to, quote unquote, successfully lose weight and keep the weight off. Yeah, just think about that for a second. It really is easier for us to change the culture than for you to lose weight. So um, back to recovery. I do feel like focusing on recovery is something that's going to help your PCOS. It's what I teach people I work with who have both um, PCOS and are also trying to recover. And it's something that I've been focusing a lot more on with clients over the last five years. And um, I'm really excited. And in September, I'm going to be launching a special food piece and PCOS um, course that's going to be focusing on just what we're talking about here. So um, stay tuned. I'm, I'm still putting the course together to make sure it gives you exactly what you need and collecting as much data as possible to get it together. But, um, you know, there's more of us who are starting to talk about it. And I think it's important for you, letter writer, to really try to find more support that helps you with the recovery. And, you know, you may have been to a therapist before or a dietitian before, but statistics do show that it takes at least five different counselors for someone to be matched to the one that fits them. So if you've seen a, a few or maybe even seen more than five, but just keep at it, keep looking. And the thing that's really neat right now, something that I've noticed is popping up more and more are these online courses or support groups for eating disorder recovery, for intuitive eating. And um, I would really encourage you to, to pursue something like that. And then maybe also keep your eye out for the course that I'll be offering. I think it's something that's going to suit what you're looking for. And in the meantime, I'm just reminded that especially for you, letter writer, as you bring up your children, um, which I think for many people, um, it's really hard to work towards recovery and body respect and body acceptance. Yet when you throw in your children, it makes it a whole lot easier (laughs) because it's not about you anymore. And we know when a parent is talking negatively about their body, they're you know, using lots of terms that are um, making it normal to hate your body. We know that's something that kids hear and it helps pass on that type of way of relating to your body. And what I hear from your letter is that you don't want to pass that on. And something that I know to be true is that intuitive eating and anything that is kind of in that realm of intuitive eating, like attuned eating or mindful eating, And, you know, intuitive eating in a nutshell is basically what I was talking about in the beginning um, was, is really relying on hunger and fullness cues and working towards um, accepting that, respecting that. And then if there's times where a person wants to eat or not eat out of um, hunger and fullness cues to kind of figure out what's going on and find other ways to, to cope with tough emotions or experiences and now there are 70 plus studies that show that folks who are intuitive eaters have 
healthier bodies, that their weight is more stable. So what that means is folks who are focusing on dieting tend to do this thing called a yo-yo kind of effect where their weight goes up and down. And we know that's something that is harmful for our body. It's not something that um, helps our heart. It's not something that helps our cholesterol levels. But those who rely on their hunger and fullness cues, they end up having a more stable body size. And um, what that means to me as, as well is, as one works towards respecting their body, then they end up just being at a weight that their body likes to, to be at. And that may or may not be along with a thin ideal. For some people, they're um, gonna be in fat bodies because you know there have always been fat bodies and there always will be. So um, and intuitive eating doesn't take that away for sure. But the one thing that intuitive eating does is it helps people come back to health. And um, something that I'm really excited about is the next episode of the Love Food Podcast, I get a chance to interview Evelyn Triboli, who's one of the co-authors of Intuitive Eating. So that'll be up next week. And we'll hear even more about how intuitive eating promotes health and um, how to navigate towards body respect instead of pursuing weight loss. So I see that food has written you back, letter writer. I'm really interested to hear what food has to say, but I hope you can hang in there and surround yourself by more people who get this and that will encourage you to respect your body. And, you know, there's something that I wanted to share with you that I thought would be helpful as you move forward. There's a book that I love that I would like to add to the food peace syllabus. And the food peace syllabus, if you're new to the podcast, is this collection of books and podcasts and anything that we have found through these conversations that help promote a positive body image and, um, and food peace. And one of them is a book geared towards children, but I also read it to adults too. It's called Shapeville and it's by Andy Mills and Becky Osborne. And Shapeville is one that I would encourage you to read to your children and to read and reread yourself because it really brings up the message that all bodies are good bodies and all bodies deserve to feel at home in their skin. And then Another book that I want to add to the food piece syllabus is called Big Fat Lies, The Truth About Your Weight and Your Health by Glenn Gasser. And I picked this book for you, letter writer, because I feel like as you may be trying to find some more support, navigating that whole support system, I want you to also have access to information that pursuing weight loss is not something necessarily that's going to help your health. And I want you to question that more. So then when you get these conflicting messages for eating disorder recovery versus treating your PCOS, that you can choose health in the way that's important and makes most sense to you. So that's all. And let's hear what food has to say. But until then, letter writer, please keep us posted and take care. Dear tormented and longing for a better life, you seem exhausted. We know you've been conflicted on how to experience health and acceptance for a long time. And we know well-meaning advice often confuses you rather than points you down a secure path. We think your body can be trusted. Have you asked what it wants? What it needs? Instead of looking outside, 
What if you looked within? Here, we know you will find respect, compassion, and direction to your peace. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your Dear Food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.